All right, we're going to do a five, a four, a three, a two, and a one. Good morning, Amy. How are you? Hi, good morning, Brian. I'm fantastic. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. I just uh, got done getting my butt kicked with a really high intensity training. Ooh. And so I feel awesome. Super got a workout in this morning. Yes, it was a good one too. Oh, they killed me. And you know what's funny is I came upstairs after my workout because I had like 30 minutes to set up and my daughter had a um, a birthday and so she, she had a bunch of friends stay up here and we have like a little carriage house and they gave her these gifts and I was sitting here, I picked up one of her gifts randomly um, and it happens to be a jade cold stone roller and I was sitting here while I was setting up, rubbing, like massaging my forehead and uh -huh. under my eyes and stuff. And then I realized how funny it is that I just randomly did that because our um, podcast today is going to be over skincare and taking care of your skin and how good it is to take care of your skin. So I thought it was pretty funny that I just randomly was like massaging and massaging my and face. I love those jade rollers. They're amazing. And the gusha. So is that how you say them? Uh, gua sha, gua sha, but that's okay. Euro, gyro, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's good. It's like a cool um, that you rub your face with. <laughs> yes. No, it feels good. But now it's like, I should, probably should have, I mean, there was probably six girls up here rubbing this on their face. I probably should have washed it before on my face. Great. So uh, we're having a special... I, well, we're, we're having a special guest on today that I literally got in a great conversation um, in regards to bacteria and the different bacteriums on your skin. So um, when we introduce her, I, I would like for her to elaborate on that. And then I might go wash my face real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's ask her if we need it. Let's, let's okay. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> um, well, I'm excited for today's topic. It's something that you know, I personally don't, uh, you know, talk a lot about in relationship to my clients and stuff. And I think it's a very important, uh, critical piece of, of taking care of yourself. And as I turn 48, I've been doing a lot more, you know, with my, my skincare, but I was never really educated uh, and have like my guy friends and stuff and us talk about skincare because I think that there's some taboo stuff uh, that I'd like to get into with that. But I would like to introduce... Um, an amazing human individual. She is um, a little powerhouse. She's uh, super spicy, super smart, and super on top of it. Uh, her name is Lizzie Ritter, and she's a licensed esthetician and uh, just a really cool, cool person. So uh, Lizzie, welcome. Are you here with us? Thank you, Brian. That was a sweet introduction. Yeah, I'm here. Welcome well, to our fab fabulous little podcast, Lizzie. Great, thank you. Uh, yeah, did you want to roll with that, Brian? <laughs> I, I, I was going to let you, but uh, I'll jump on that for sure. Um, no, Lizzie really is, a, I had a great conversation with her the other day, and I'm super excited to have her um, discuss skincare. I feel like it's something, and again, maybe I'm wrong, so feel free to, to jump in with this, but I feel like as a, as a man, it's certainly something that does not come up as a... Um, a typical conversation in my friend groups or, you know, something that, you know, as a teenager and evolving and, and growing older, that is just not something that's, that's in front of me. And so um, I know there's a lot of stuff out there, especially 
um, the question, some questions I'd like to ask later uh, to Lizzie. But I guess, um, Lizzie, if you could like just kick it in with a little bit about who you are and then, you know, what is your perception of skincare and um, who's it good for and why and when would somebody utilize it in different types? We'll let you roll with yeah. it. We will circle back to the note that you just pointed to around um, masculinity and skincare or overall care in general. I think it's a really interesting and complex subject. To kick us off, though, let's just start with what um, aesthetics is. It's mm -hmm. actually a word used to describe folks that are in the beauty industry that have a certificate in training. The root of the word means beauty practitioner. Mm, and lovely. Yeah, that's interesting because it's a little bit of a misnomer nowadays. It used to be spot on because we were really focused, the, the career was focused, the specialty was focused on beautifying. And while that is uh, sometimes totally appropriate activity and lots of fun, there's so much more to it. Aesthetics has evolved greatly into becoming more of what um, our colleagues in Australia and Europe are calling skin therapy, which I actually love and resonate with so much more than beautician. Um, that has to do a lot with how much it coincides with the work of acupuncture and other holistic wellness practices because it is about ensuring that you look a certain way, a beauty norm that society is pushing, but ensuring that your skin is functioning optimally, that you are achieving the highest level of wellness for your own particular set of needs and conditions. And so with that, I can safely say that taking good care of the skin, which happens to be the largest organ that we have, the integumentary system, is applicable to absolutely everybody, male, female, uh, age, regardless. And it is something that we can incorporate as an intrinsic part of a wellness routine, as important as um, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic, in that it is a deep practice, not superficial, which is another misconception. And it really ties together with the benefits you'll see from incorporating these other modalities into your day to day. And I love the fact that it is so apparent and visible. So while aesthetics tends to be something that we think of as very superficial, you're going to see the best results by really working on your skin from its deepest level and not the superficial. But the benefit is it becomes the most visible aspect of your whole persona. Your face is the way that you interact with the world. And so it's a wonderful confidence building to know that you're presenting that individual and specifically unique face that is your own in its most well and um, beautiful state. I love it. And I do love uh, skin therapy. I feel like um, that resonates more with with what I'm in line with too. And, and I actually love to hear that. So I'm gonna be changing some uh, brochures at the office for sure. Um, <laughs> and you know, All Things Good For You is really a podcast that is to get people curious, to get people to be more engaged with their health and wellness at many different levels and certainly at the preventative level and how to kind of listen and know when they need what and, and what are the cues of their body. And so, you know, you brought up prevention too. And so I'm wondering 
you know, from your perspective, um, some of the aspects of prevention and some of the, the little alarm signals um, that one can pay attention to when they might need to, um, to research or get some skin therapy. Totally. So your skin is talking to you all the time. If you think about the way that we interact with the world, so much of it happens through the sensory inputs we have of our skin. I mean, touch is incredibly powerful. With that, some of the things that are happening at a more subtle level that won't be triggered with a sensory alert, so to speak, is your skin's microbiome interacting with the world. In that way, it is your first line of defense and barrier against a lot of environmental challenges that we we face, including being in Colorado, high altitude, lots of intense sun, but also small microscopic, so sometimes not as trivial as all the different bacterium that we're exposed to. So when you're thinking about your skin, it's really providing a protective and barrier function for everything that's underneath it, your entire body. That said, when it starts giving you signals that it is inflamed or irritated, we know that inflammation anywhere is inflammation everywhere. So it's a really great way to check in and say, ah, what is happening and how can I address it? There are ways um, to manage topically inflammation. And I would also highly recommend that you address the internals just as much as the external. In fact, we sometimes see a real gung-ho nature towards applying lots of topicals to inflamed skin. By topicals, I mean lotions, creams, special um, cleansers, and so forth. And that can actually exacerbate the issue. So another piece that I'd like to add to this is don't be adverse to a very, very simple skincare routine. It seems very complex. There's a billion-dollar industry out there advertising multi-step systems to take care of your face and incorporate all of these very exciting, and, and believe me, I'm a product person. I get super excited about these things. Um, they get expensive, and it is totally fine, especially when your skin is sending the signal that it's inflamed or irritated, to have an incredibly simple skincare routine. And in that way, you're supporting it to get back to its homeostasis, its best balanced place. Your skin is incredibly intelligent, and it knows exactly what it needs. It will send you the signal that it has available to it to communicate with you and then guide you to exactly where you need to be with it. Um, Can so I ask Brian. a quick question? Um, yeah. And, and Amy, jump, <laughs> Amy, jump in on this. So, so some signs, some little alarms um, that my skin is, is uh, begging for some, some skin therapy, some attention would be like, is a blackhead build up a blackhead is, you know, besides inflammation, like some acne, uh, what are some things I could look for um, to say, hey, pay attention now? Yeah, inflammation, I would say, would be your uh, crop up of unwanted blackheads, acne breakout, any kind of rashes, dermatitis type of thing. But especially here in Colorado, we have such a slew of environmental factors, I'd see big ones for us here would be hydration, starting to feel that pinchy tightness in the skin where we're just not feeling like enough moisture is available, even if we were to constantly be applying it to our faces. It's a big deal here, as well as I would say as sun exposure. 
So seeing a lot of pigmentation crop up, um, that is your skin's protective way of saying, oh, a lot's happening here. I'm going to throw to the surface some melanin to make sure I'm protecting what's going on underneath the skin. Little tiny fissures, little tiny wounds are often protected by bursts of melanin that your skin creates. So when you're thinking about any kind of wounds, you want to go in and help heal and relieve that. So here in Colorado, dryness would be a factor I would keep an eye out. And that has to do with dehydration, especially here, not necessarily a dry skin type. And then also looking for um, cues that you've maybe overdone it in the sun. I love it. Amy, are you looking at yourself in the mirror right now like I am? I'm looking right. at my eyes. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's it telling us today? No, I think um, obviously in Colorado we have the, the, the dryness, but anywhere you're at. Like I grew up in Texas and the humidity was an issue. If you're at the beach, the wind and the sun exposure is an issue. So there's certainly something in every environment that you've got to kind of pay attention to. And I appreciate like the idea of, okay, what's happening from the outside affecting our skin. But like Lizzie said, it's a lot to do with um, starts from the inside out, right? Um, I think Lizzie, do you uh, ever get into like the emotional content and how that works with people, like just stress in general and how that affects the skin? Yes, I, I love that component of it. And to just pop ourselves up to a little bit of a 20,000 foot view here, beauty and skincare becomes incredibly complex and tender in that we are given not just the stresses of our daily lives, but also the stress of a pretty intensive media bombardment around what um, the standard is culturally what we should look like and how we have a million ways to compare ourselves to that standard that can actually cause and i see this with our clients a lot just so much um, baggage and stress and pressure on top of whatever it is they're managing in their lives this either i see it in a couple of ways either i i don't know where to start because i'm so far behind i don't know how on earth i'm ever going to look like the standard that i see out there um, which is a question of representation, basically, or the I am really far along and invested in this journey. I have put money, time, energy, and belief into getting myself to this standard, and I am here in a I can't ever seem to arrive at that destination. So to, to complicate your question, Amy, yes, daily stressors, lack of sleep, uh, job pressures, family pressures, all of those things will show up handily on your face uh, in the form of under eye bags, um, those pesky 11 rings in the middle of your forehead every time we have a worry. And um, there's a lot of muscle memory involved in that too. So, um, you know, the muscles of your face are incredibly responsive to your moods and emotions makes sense because that is the way we communicate our moods and emotions is a lot of the time through the expressions of our face. Although masks have made that very, un uh, the whole mask culture for the last couple of years has changed that somewhat. That's a different topic too. Yeah, but in actually, that's a good one. I wonder how many yeah. people, you know, I know <laughs> just to segue into that very quickly, like a lot of people went through significant uh, skin 
issues wearing masks and the hot mm -hmm. air and breathing and then having something rubbing and i think the oils that just got trapped in people's skin i don't know how a number of people um had rashes and acne that didn't normally have that from the mask that we called it mask me um uh -huh. because it's so like that perfect little uh, beard of inflammation exactly the same shape as a mask the other thing we found that was really interesting and by we i mean kind of the aesthetics community was a huge uptick in um how we present our eyes and eyebrows so there's a lot of work being done on those parts of our face that were still visible and then doubled down on okay this is the only part that's visible so it needs to now take on the weight of the rest of my covered face and expressing everything that I'm trying to express here. I saw it a lot actually in my little preschooler. Um, she's she's so tuned in to eyes and forehead versus the whole face because of that coverage. And we depend so greatly on uh, taking those cues from the face to really get a good sense of what's going on in a conversation and communicating. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, whole I, I didn't think about um, I didn't think about that being such a big, um, like it said, uptick in um, the importance of eyebrows. I mean, it has become really popular topic. So I, I yep. wonder how much of that was contributed to the mask. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. You know, I just I was just like, I never did the skinny eyebrow thing. And so I'm kind of happy that the big eyebrows are coming back. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, dangerous to grow those. And if you're a, a victim of the 90s trend of tiny pencil eyebrows, then yeah, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing now. <laughs> That's a, I guess a one win for me that I was not fashionable in that way. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just to tie something in real quick to the emotional stuff and, and the uh, feelings and, and the inside out too, for, you know, for thousands of years, um, Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, and many others have used facial diagnosis as far as skin tone, skin color, areas of the face, markings, wrinkles, all of that to associate and to be able to kind of diagnose and differentiate um, what's going on inside the body. So just pretty amazing. And then the skin is a huge part of what we call the Wei Qi in Chinese medicine, which is your defense system. And the skin has two organs it's associated to, the lung and large intestine, which is just always interesting looking at like gut health um, and how it affects the skin. And so, you know, the more, uh, the better all that is, the better your weight she is. But I kind of want to, uh, I'm curious about reverse engineering that question. You know, we think about taking care of the inside to help the weight she um, you know, that skin barrier layer. But I wonder by taking care of the skin, on how much that actually affects and improves the Wei Qi as well. Oh, that was gosh. two big things, two big things I know, but I had to get them out of my head. The wings of the bird there, I feel like um, there is, so while the skin is a manifestation of what is going on internally made visible, there is that reverse engineering that we can do of how do we apply or mechanically stimulate the skin from the outside to then trigger a response from in, internally. And Brian, one of the things that I love about the radio frequency technology that we have at the laser, the clinic, is that there are these ways to make an external mechanism or topical really trigger, support, and stimulate 
your own skin and the resources that it has available to it. Similar to um, just a very, very light touch on, on acupuncture that you are working with your body's own energy and resources. There are these really cool ways to ask gently the skin to remember a prior shape, to stimulate production of collagen and elastin, to produce those sweet little baby skin cells that will then emerge at the surface more vibrant and healthy than they were in a prior iteration. And there's so much of a tie in there. Yeah. That's cool. So we can think about it like in skin therapy, it's also possibly, uh, I'm going to do some, I'm going to dig into this because there are always like dry brushing and some other things that people do to help their immune system utilizing the skin as a mechanism, but we could potentially be seeing um, a trickle down effect into helping our immune system and helping, you know, things from the inside out that way too, which is pretty freaking awesome. Well, you had mentioned the bacteria, right? Like, um, how, there's how many different types of bacteria on our face <laughs> and how many is supposed to be there? <laughs> so, uh, that is, this is an emerging field of the, the study of the microbiome overall, but then specifically the microbiome of um, the face. And what I will, what I'll demarcate here is that there is this sort of a yoke that is your decolletage and up stopping at your scalp line, wherever your, your hairline grows, which I'm considering the skin of the face. And that particular zone has its own unique, you will not find it in anywhere else on your body, particular set of bacteriums when they're well-balanced that creates this perfect little barrier function. And that is, um, it runs acidic. So you want to make sure that when you're thinking about your, your skincare and your products, that you're not tampering with the pH there because that pH is vital to ensuring that these bacteria that are naturally present and then we're exposed to in the world, are or imbalanced. So That's there's this, isn't it, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a whole study within itself, the way that, that this particular area of our body has specialized itself and made it incredibly unique in particular, receptive to certain things that won't be receptive to the rest of your body, sensitive to certain things that the rest of your body will not have sensitivities to. It's so interesting. Um, and there is the presence of the acne bacteria, P. acne bacteria, that um, is absolutely a cause of inflammation and can be managed externally. Okay. What do you know what the pH of the face like? Because we think about the pH of the body wanting to be more alkaline for health. Um, but I've heard sometimes the skin is it more acidic or is the skin like more alkalinity too in its pH? I don't, don't need an exact number, but uh, do you know what that might look like? It's a four and a half to five and a half acidic level. Okay, so it does like more acidic. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so when you're thinking about other ways to manage through some topicals, the pH is critical there. If you are not ascertaining the pH of your product, there is the likelihood that it will um, either burn because it's too acidic or it will try to pull that skin barrier over to an alkaline state or a more neutral state, which is not the right thing for the skin. It uh, That will throw it off as well. 
and then you get into a whole area of permeability. You get this awesome vitamin C serum. It costs a pretty penny, and if it's not properly balanced with pH and then its molecular weight, it's not going to absorb at all. So there are some complexities when it comes to, and it's just like we were talking about before, what your skin will actually receive on your face versus other parts of your body be sensitive to or, or really be hungry for too. There are some wonderful things that the skin is incredibly receptive to that stimulates its, its own little generators of um, the same entity within it that, that are really good for the skin. So, so Lizzie, is that why, like, um, I was never a big fan of toners. You know, you always had to do the like the whole skincare kit, and they always wanted you to do the the cleanse and the toner, and then the moisturizer and the protective layer, and that which I I really am um, I'm a lazy skincare person. I don't like doing all the steps. So am I if I if I made a mistake by not including the toner? Is that what it does? Is reset your pH level? No, it was such a good question, and it's divisive. Okay, I have uh, teachers at my school that were. Uh, creators of their own toners and th those were lovely and then others that were like it's a useless step why are we even doing this <laughs> so on the toner front you can or you can't it's not going to make or break but what I would recommend is thinking of skincare as um, if you can just a gentle shift of perspective to a moment of connecting with yourself of caring for yourself and tending versus a chore so a couple things on that is if you're if you're a low maintenance skincare person and you're not just waking up and inspired to engage in a routine, which I am not that person, um, I have gotten a lot more um, a lot more engaged in it. But I'm frankly, I, once a day I can engage with that. I got a lot of other things going on. If you're going to do skincare routine for yourself, I would recommend at the end of the day especially if you only have an opportunity once a day to take care of it. Twice is fine. You can get overzealous and start stripping your skin. So if you need to just simplify, go with once at the end of the day. One of my uh, esthetician friends was, if for no other reason, then remind yourself how many fart clouds you probably walked through, and then you'll really be motivated to wash your face at the end of the day. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say how many fart clouds? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You think about it, then you get motivated, but it is a wonderful, the night skincare routine is a great time to know that you have this whole resting period to absorb, uh, regain some moisture. We lose a lot of moisture during the day with our skin and uh, the night is a great opportunity to occlude some of that and try to lessen it and to have a very sweet moment of self-care as well. Um, placing hands on the face can be an incredibly intimate thing. If you've ever done it to someone else, but your child or uh, partner, you know how sweet and tender it can be. And applying that uh, gentle touch to your own face is incredibly healing emotionally. The skin also loves it. Skin is incredibly responsive to touch. It loves massage. Uh, clean touch, Brian. So, like you were thinking with your little Jade. Wait, wait. Why'd have... you point? Why'd you point me out when, when you said clean touch? under <laughs> it. Well, now I know why guys don't talk about this stuff too much because it all it's exhausting. It's a lot of work. We're way too lazy. To, we're way too lazy to do all this stuff. <laughs> uh, 
is uh, with men in particular. I, I am fairly passionate about men advocating care for themselves. It's a really boring time for men as far as society is concerned with what's allowable and to still be viewed as masculine. And I, I think there's a lot of myth-busting to be done there, or fact-checking, rather. Is that actually true, that men should have less allowance to engage in a skincare routine? Uh, that's a question. Why would it be sort of less appropriate for men to have a nighttime routine that is settling to the nervous system, is um, caring to their visage, and is actually relaxing as a way to get into a good sleep zone? To me, it's a that's an artificial barrier, right? That this is a we have a lot of guardrails around masculinity that don't allow the same kind of care, especially to the visage, the face that we have for women. And in um, a really extreme sense, we actually pressure women to engage in. And with men, they, we don't we don't have that. So if you want, let's let's talk about how you manage. What what is your routine, and what kind of questions do you have about? Uh, how that engages with your bros and well, the things that you all talk about. Yeah, no, I mean, I will say that I think you're right. There's been a cultural, you know, issue going on around this for men because, you know, it, I think to, you know, in one aspect, it's if you do this, you're not masculine. Plus men have this like, I'm tough. I don't need to be taken care of. So even like when people come into our office for massage, a lot of times it's their wives that schedule the appointment and, and make the, make them come in because they're tired of hearing them complain about their pain. Right. And then a lot of times they'll try it like, you know, one time or whatever. And they're like, it didn't fix me. You know, I'm a man, I can work my way through this. Um, so there does tend to be that stuff, but I would also just say, it's just because a lot of guys haven't tried it. Um, like for myself, I love pedicures, love them, love massage, love them. I have, I, I always laugh at people. I'm like, you know, not laugh at people. I shouldn't say that, but if you had don't receive some of these things and you've never tried it, first of all, don't knock it until you've tried it. Mm -hmm. But second of all, you're missing out on some amazing stuff. Like it feels good to, to have somebody take care of you, like to get a facial and, um, for me, it's like cleansing feeling and I feel more vibrant and I feel refreshed and I feel a sense of recharging and renewal. Um, even for the pedicure, there's just something I walk out and just feel better. And so, um, you know, I, I, I love doing all that. I recently just got um, a little bit more into my nightly skincare routine um, as far as washing my face and a little bit better at night and putting a facial lotion on uh, to help hydrate my skin better. And even though it's really increased my uh, personal nightly routine, I love it. It's uh, become now a staple and really, you know, just makes me feel good. So I'm all about it. Okay, great plug. And I, I would say that directionally speaking you are an aspirational standard for that and if, for any men out there that are thinking this is just a show for the ladies i would encourage some thoughtfulness around how um there is a lot of power dynamic within um beauty as an industry and beauty as a concept that is interesting to play around with. And I think that dynamic around masculinity is especially interesting. And to engage with beauty as a man complicates masculinity in this really rich 
and um, interesting ways. So if for nothing else, you know, play around with it as an intellectual activity, even if you're not ready to get to a... (laughs) uh, I think, too, like changing our our, um, approach to skincare being just about beauty. I mean, obviously, since it's been such a women-focused topic for so long, it's really if we can switch it towards being more um, healthy and yeah. the confidence, right? And just caring what you give, what, what you take care of yourself. Like one of my goals this year, I'm, I am, I'm really good at keeping like my house clean and my aesthetics in my house is nice. And, but my car is a disaster all the time, mostly because my lifestyle is like, I'm in the mountains, I'm camping, I'm skiing, I've got the dog in and out of the dog park. And, but I, you know, for me, it's like, I just like, I need, I, I, I would like to step up my game a little bit on how I um, take care of my vehicle because it, it, it's an expression and it feels good to be in a clean car. So if we could take, and it just seems like it's like a responsible reflection of who I am as a human being, but you can take that into that with your skin as well. Like it's not just about being pretty, it's about being healthy. And I think even a, a, a and I could be wrong, maybe it's just an aging or, or Colorado thing, but I think women are moving more towards less makeup and even makeup that we are wearing being um, very discreet or more enhancing rather than entirely changing, I guess, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, there is a whole contour world going on like crazy out there, but uh, <laughs> reminds me of the lady who says like, uh, shape-shifting that women can shape-shift don't tell the men that we can (laughs) shape-shift but um my point being i think if we can shift over to it being about being healthy more than pretty um maybe maybe more men would feel uh, confident and comfortable talking about skincare when you say the word confidence first of all i would say that for me doing some of that stuff i maybe i wasn't very confident originally going in and felt a little weird about it or whatever but now I feel very confident in receiving services like that. And also, I think it makes you feel more confident afterwards, right? Um, especially when you're doing stuff on the face because it's how we present and how, you know, we show up as, you know, part of part of that package anyway. Certainly not all of it. But, um, you know, I think confidence is a huge, huge piece to that. And how you care for your face may be a reflection of how you do business or how you, you know, take care of your relationships. I mean, it's like you said, self-care. It's how, you know, you care for yourself would probably be reflective on how you're going to care for other things in your life. Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, Lizzie, uh, a couple questions in regards, if you don't mind. I'm going to back it out here to a little something not as um, deep, but... There's certain things, first of all, like you said, there's a billion dollar industry and what you should and shouldn't use and all that stuff. But one for me is uh, sunscreen. And I know that this is kind of a different, but like for sunscreen, obviously is important, but there's some confusion because then it's like, well, is there something in sunscreens that cause cancer? And then you have your vitamin D absorption and you don't want to block from vitamin D. So... A question, I guess, would be how much sunscreen should we really be using? Like, is there a balance uh, if you're out in the sun for a certain amount of time that you need it? Or uh, do you have some better guidelines on product and time usage and what that looks like? Absolutely. And uh, let's all perk up because in uh, Colorado, it's 
is completely indiscriminate. The sun shines down on us the minute you're outside and it won't, um, it doesn't treat any of us separately or different. So none of us are exempt from needing to think about this environmental factor. So there is a big swing in dermatology and within the aesthetics community to be very anti-sun. I saw a funny ad in, uh, I considered it funny in my dermatologist's office that said the best tan is your natural skin tone. And it had this very pale little little person um, frolicking on the beach there as the picture. And I think that this is fine. And it is a very far side of the spectrum of how to take care of your skin when you have sun exposure, as we all do the second we step out of the house. And even when we are inside of um, any kind of environment with glass windows with exposure to the house, think driving your car. That said, we all need to think about sunscreen. We need to remember that the sun is our friend, an aggressive friend, a very aggressive friend, but still a friend. And so manage the friendship. Be outside. We're in an incredibly beautiful place in the world. We are blessed with so many sunshiny days. And there are huge benefits, not only to modulating circadian rhythms, to prompting the production of vitamin D that we can actually absorb and so forth and so on. There are so many benefits to being in the sun. And we want to also ensure that we are not being overly exposed. It's a balance like with all things. If we can remember anything, take this away. When you're looking at a sunscreen, whether it's a chemical sunscreen or a uh, physical sunscreen, there's always going to be a number on the front, 15, 25, up to 50. Sometimes they're greater but let's say that's the regular zone. That number is only an indicator of how long the product will work. And it's a reflection of minutes. So if you see a 50, it doesn't mean it's more powerful. It means it lasts for 50 minutes. I didn't know that. I totally did not know that. Right? Are you being for so, real? <laughs> so when you've got your little like combined two-step moisturizer and sunscreen, that's like a 15, that gets, that buys you 15 minutes of protection from the sun. That's it. So um, basically, if we think about it in that way, it is also incredibly impractical to apply enough sunscreen for a day outside to get yourself the appropriate coverage because of the minutes. In general, you need to apply sunscreen 20 minutes before going out in the sun and then continually reapply while you're in the sun depending on that number on the front of the package of whatever sunscreen you're using. So if you're going to go be outside and you're applying a 50 sunscreen, you apply it 20 minutes before you go out, you actually have only 30 minutes left over to be in the sun and know you're getting optimal protective coverage. So when you're thinking about sunscreen, keep that in mind to give yourself an idea of how often you need to apply, especially if you're doing a super outdoorsy kind of day. And then it also will help explain why we still get sunspots on our hands and the driver's side of our face when we're in the car, because generally speaking, whatever sunscreen we've applied in the morning is, is well done with its efficacy um, by midday or afternoon. Well, it sounds like we have boating coming up. It sounds like there's going to be a lot more uh, application of sunscreen and massaging each other, which my kids hate when I'm, turn around, give me your back. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
friendly balance of get a little sunshine, get your skin to a place where it can tolerate and be okay with some sun exposure. Otherwise, you will be on that wheel of um, constant reapplication. And if we want to, we can talk about a chemical versus a physical sunscreen. Uh, but you tell me what the appetite is for that. Well, again, I think one of the things I've always, and I, so like rewind 10 years ago, where I'm spraying this stuff on my kids and, you know, it, like you cough when you accidentally get some in. I'm like, this just doesn't seem safe. It seems like, am I giving my kids cancer by putting this on, you know? And then sure enough, you know, what, a couple of years ago, they pulled a bunch or even last year they pulled a bunch that there's some chemical in there that is uh, carcinogenic or whatever. And I'm like, oh, damn it, I knew what I should have listened. So, you know, there's a little bit of a, I mean, trust me, I still put banana boat on them like crazy, but, um, not to plug banana boat, but, uh, but it is like that. It's like, what's healthy, what's not healthy, uh, you know, out there. And it's just, there's a, a trust and maybe you don't even know that answer. Cause it's such a big question when it comes to chemical compounds, you know? Yeah. I have a preference. If you can do a physical sunscreen, which, um, zinc oxide is the active ingredient in a physical sunscreen that is a physical barrier. So instead of, a a topical chemical compound that can absorb into your skin and have potential impacts, much like the ones we're seeing in the news of it, it potentially being carcinogenic or having the risk of that. Uh, zinc oxide is absolutely something that remains on the surface of your skin and creates an actual physical barrier between your skin and the rays of the sun. Now, with all of the hype around um, how some of these sunscreens have been um, dirty business for a while, there are some incredible new innovations coming through with clean chemical sunscreens. The nice thing that a chemical sunscreen can offer us is a little bit longer protection, generally speaking. Physical sunscreen, I mean, if you wipe it off, that barrier is gone. Chemical sunscreen, it has a clingability, if that's a word, that is incredibly helpful, especially if you're doing things like water sports or anything super active outside where you have the, the um, likelihood of it getting washed off or removed somehow. Um, I am going to do just a teeny plug. Super Goop is the current one that I'm using on my kids. It's a 50 chemical sunscreen. I have a lot of excitement for where the industry will take this, and I am sure we're going to have a real um, innovative era of great sunscreens that actually work and will not have those bummer side effects. There's a, a renaissance around it coming up. So everybody experiment, play around, make sure if you're doing a chemical sunscreen that it's got a clean list of ingredients. Um, and then, you know, your zinc oxide is a great one for physical barrier protection. Super goop for your kids. Is that what you said? Super goop for the kids. They've got an everyday lotion. It's the SPF 50. Um, I have two kiddos, one that is uh, a really, really pale skin tone, and the other that has um, a more medium to dark tone skin tone works great on both of them. No white streakiness, um, and I keep a pretty tight eye on, on how their skin responds to the sun. So I'm, I'm real into it, and I know that other companies are going to be um, creating nice, clean formulas for us, too, especially with everything that just came across in recent news. Well, I'm glad you said it. that. No, sorry, go God. You're good. I'm just glad you said that because I just didn't want to revert back to wearing a swim shirt and one of those big hats. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
oh, the sun is our friend. There's so many benefits to it. We just, I mean, it's Colorado. We've got a high altitude sun and a lot of it. So, you know, striking the balance for sure. Hey, Lizzie, um, if you as an esthetician could only like pack one or two things, let's just skip the sunscreen because we know that'll be in the list for everybody probably. What are, what are like your must-have products if you were going to just be able to carry like one or two things? So that is an excellent question. And I, I love it in particular because it points towards simplicity and opting out of a um, culturally approved multi-system expensive product line situation. I love product. And I really believe our skin is already well enough and smart enough to be able to take care of itself incredibly well with minimal nudging and support. So a simple skincare routine is as beneficial oftentimes as a very complex one if you're choosing the right simple routine. For me, in Colorado especially, seeing our um, skin have a very consistent general theme of dehydration the product that I use and I'm standing by it is an oil cleanser. Yeah, it yes. works. Yes, every skin type in that, when you cleanse with oil, oil attracts oil, it encapsulates dirt, excessive oil on your own face, um, any little particulates that are at the surface, but it doesn't disrupt that critical microbiome or barrier function of the skin. So you cleanse with oil and you'll never have that weird scrunchy tight feeling that you will with a foaming soap cleanser sometimes. Mm -hmm. Whenever you have that tight feeling, you know you've disrupted your, your barrier function. So um, you're saying you use like avocado oil on my face, like massage that in? Is that what you're talking about, oil cleanser? What's happening? So Brian, kind of oil. <laughs> one, but the one that I am currently using has a delicious, uh, combination of jojoba oil, sunflower oil, and I think there's there's a little bit of macadamia nut oil in there. So the idea is that you're massaging your face, you're lifting up those particulates that you don't want there without disrupting that critical barrier that is your own homegrown microbiome. You want to be picky about the oils that you use because certainly some oils can be comedogenic, which means that they will prompt uh, pores to clog and you'll get blackheads or whiteheads. So you want to be real precise about the oil that you're using, but it is a brilliant one-step cleanser. Uh, oftentimes they're infused with certain botanicals. The one that I'm using right now has vetiver in it. And so it's incredibly grounding. You do a couple deep inhalations before you start washing your face with it. And so you're getting kind of a dual action from it. You're feeling soothed and relieved. You're cleaning your face and the light. We're cutting up. We're cutting out there. Hang on one second. Are you back oh. with us, Lizzie? Yeah. Can you hear me? There was a yes. little windy moment. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, so the last thing on oil cleansers is they are um, not stripping and they're moisturizing, which is so good for our poor, tired, dry skin here in Colorado, dehydrated skin here in Colorado. So. That would be my one thing. I'm going to do you one better, Amy. I don't need two products. I just need the one plus sunscreen. And you can keep it as simple as that. A nice Very oil good. cleanser. What about um, 
anti-aging products because i know there's a lot of stuff as we've mentioned it's a very um money driven uh, environment i guess but business what what do you think for anti-aging processes like a lot of stuff doesn't absorb through your skin what are what are people's biggest bang for their buck i think the biggest bang for the buck I'll get to an actual product is a mindset shift, frankly. I am very pro-aging. If we think about the alternative to not aging, it's yeah. death. <laughs> happy that we're all aging. It's another moment to be excited <laughs> to, have, to be alive. Uh, aging is such a gift to be considering the alternative. Um, and it brings back a little bit to the topic of to do skin care and skin wellness is really not to be focused on um, prettiness. Prettiness is usually a very unconfrontational, fairly bland, inoffensive, um, and forgettable measure. And what I'm hoping folks can do is look for that radiant beauty rather than prettiness. And if that means having uh, the courage to embrace the signs of aging that you have accrued during your life, then that mindset change will transform the way you look about why you're choosing the products that you're choosing and what you're hoping they will accomplish for you. Sure, I think so, that, I think the term is, is now switching from, uh, oh, what did somebody say just recently? I thought it was really clever. Uh, it was an anti-aging, ah, I'm forgetting the, uh, uh, it totally just slipped my mind, but it was very clever, essentially just meaning that we're not trying to not age, we're just aging well, again, healthy and continuing to yeah. just um, love ourselves through whatever process, but doing it in a way that is um, respectful of our body's process and not in a shaming um, desperate clinging to youth, uh, mentality. Yeah. However, but you know, with that, it's like, there are some people who, who tend to just age more gracefully or, and, and then, you know, some people have a harder time with it for whatever reason, whether it's the way that they're choosing to eat the environment that they live in, the stress that they're in, if they're smokers, um, you know, just genetically maybe predisposed to having, um, you know, earlier breakdown of their collagen system, they they may want to like, you know, slow that down or reverse it. So I, I don't think we, I don't want to feel bad about using products that will re-enhance my skin if it's losing some of the um, things that keep it young. But like you said, mm -hmm. not to be obsessed. Like we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to be the, uh, the people without the face that moves. <laughs> so here's the thing, we each have agency over this. And while some folks might not want to touch their skin or ever do anything with it, I love that. And other folks are really intensely engaged with it and get to do and choose whatever it is that suits and fits them. And I love that. So you're gonna see a whole range of activity and engagement. And this is your own to choose and have agency over so my uh, advocacy is for only listening to yourself and what you want and need 
whatever that happens to be. With that said, if you are in the place of, you know, I would love to see a little bit more of um, the, the face I recognized uh, 10 years ago, um, which is a very common thing to realize in your 40s. Like, wow, things do look different. Uh, it sneaks up on you. Then I would say one of the best, and this has clinical trials out um, beyond number to prove its efficacy is to start incorporating a retinol into your care system. Retinol is a vitamin A based product that is a super stimulator. Think of it as like your hype girl for skin that gets in there and is like, yeah, let's make more collagen. Let's do elastin. Let's get our skin cell turnover just into hyperdrive, but it's still your own skin doing the hyperdrive. It's just got a kind of a, a fan that's super excited and stimulating that. And you can achieve really gorgeous, um, way um, more supple, even skin toned um, skin, really starting it at any age. Um, it's more effective if you start it a little bit earlier, but you can really see some tremendous results. There's lots of clinical data to back up how effective it is. And um, it is just a one-step product. If you want to go big, get your dermatologist to prescribe you with a retinol that has a higher percentage. There are also plenty of over-the-counters and it can cause some sensitivity. So start slow, make sure you're monitoring for redness and dryness, and then incorporate it and um, see Give yourself a good 90 days to start seeing just how transformative it is for your skin in that uh, your skin will remember what it was doing a, a while ago and kind of repeat results at the age that you are currently. So maybe the yeah. best way, yeah, just is to get in and get to work with a good esthetician or a dermatologist and see what's out there that's going to work with your skin and um, with what you're you know, desires are, but most importantly, just taking care of yourself uh, inside and out, right? So hydrating and some really nice, simple clean cleanses, like you said, an oil cleanser at the end of the night, probably one of the best things you could do for yourself. Yeah, I love the yeah. different perspectives that you uh, we tapped into today, too. I, I think that the mindset stuff and again, how we feel and the inside out and all that is amazing. And I'm glad we covered a lot of territory today. And, you know, I would love to thank our skin therapist. <clears throat> See, I use the new term for you, Lizzie, uh, <laughs> esthetician, <laughs> for I, I think that you brought a lot of great insight, but the way you brought it uh, was magical, too. So I appreciate you. So thank you. Well, I'm so happy to have been part of this today, Amy and Brian. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you. And um, Lizzie, I know that you, if somebody wanted to ask you more questions or reach out for an evaluation, um, why don't you tell the folks where all they can find you? Well, for um, our lasering services, I am available at Integrative Health, so you can reach out and find me there. And then for anything else, um, my own private practice is not quite launched yet, but I would be happy to consult via email or text. My email is boneplum, B-O-N-P-L-U-M dot holistic wellness at gmail. And then um, my number is 970-749-8552, which is my business line for responding to texts 
or calls if that is easier. And happy to discuss with anybody that has further questions via both of those. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And Amy, thank you for uh, being available today. And I'm glad I was on this one since you heckled me on the last one. Uh, I'm not going to miss another one again. <laughs> oh, we're glad you made it to this one. We're glad the teenagers let you out of the closet. <laughs> yes, totally. And thank you to all the listeners. Um, I think today was a, a extra enjoyable um, podcast that is, again, something I feel like we need to talk more about. So I'm glad we uh, breached this conversation. And, and again, thank you, Lizzie, so much. Feel free, pass this podcast on to as many people that you know. Help educate, help people get involved in their own health and wellness and get them curious to explore everything that is out there that is amazing for your health today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Lizzie.